Hello and welcome to the Book of Leaves podcast. My name is Cara and I am your host. Hi guys, thank you for joining me for episode 3 of Book of Leaves. Before we get into this interview with Padder, who runs Small Changes, it's a great zero waste shop in Drumcondra. You can get loads of refills there. There's all sorts of house goods and they're really community involved as well. So it's a good episode and I can't wait for you guys to hear it. But before we get into that, I just want to highlight the fact that recently in Irish news, world news, Ireland has declared a climate emergency, which if you listen to this, you probably know already. It was a couple of days ago, about 10 days ago now at this stage. And this is a really great step, obviously, for Irish politics. But we obviously need to keep pressing our TDs and our politicians to do more because declaring a climate emergency is literally just saying there's a climate emergency. There's no actual action as of yet. And there is a big global strike on this Friday, May 24th. Is it Friday or Thursday, the 24th? I think it's Friday. Let me just double check here. It is Friday. Why did I second guess myself? Who knows? But this Friday, there's a global strike for the climate. And Greta Thunberg, again, is working her magic on this one. So hopefully you'll all be out in numbers because we can't let our TDs and politicians away, which was saying, yes, the climate is bad. They need to follow this up with action. And a big part of that is, of course, fossil fuels, as I discussed with Avian in last week's episode. And our vote as well. There's a big election on Friday as well, the same day as a climate strike. So make sure when you're heading out to vote, know your TDs and where they stand on climate change. And there's a handy link I shared on my Facebook page that Stop Climate Chaos set up. And you can literally just type in your region, where your voting region is, and it will automatically send out a personalised email to all your TDs with your name and address at the bottom. I'll link that in the show notes. Perhaps, actually, that's a good idea. But yes, so before we get into episode three, if you haven't already, go back and give episode one and two a listen. You don't have much to catch up on uh, lengthwise, but episode one is a really good episode where we interviewed Vasco from Core Crafts, who talked all about the process of making products made from cork and the fact that you don't need to cut down the trees, you don't traditionally ever use pesticides, there's no chemicals involved, and it uses way less energy and water than the likes of leather. And it's just really interesting and fascinating, so go back and give that a listen. And last week's, or two weeks ago, I interviewed Avian McCann, who is currently performing in Streetcar Named Desire in the Lyric in Belfast. It's almost due to end, it sounds like it's going brilliantly. I've heard rave reviews about it and about Avian. And she basically was talking to me about all things sustainability in regards to fashion and politics and just personal choices that we can make. So go back and give those two episodes a listen. 
And for this episode, yeah, it's all about patter and small changes and looking forward to it. If you want to support the podcast, I do have a Patreon account. It's patreon.com forward slash book of leaves. If you can afford to give a euro or two, whichever a month, it will be so appreciated. And it'll all go towards keeping the podcast alive, the website and host fees and saving up for some a good microphone because I've one good microphone and then the other one is really noisy. So I'm trying to get some secondhand equipment. But if you feel like it, supporting the podcast, that would be amazing. And the biggest thing you can also do is please rate and review the podcast especially if you're on iTunes it's brand new and I'm slowly growing the listenership but if you could rate review that would be amazing and please share screenshot the episode share it on your Instagram story or recommend to a friend that would be so good because there's a lot of really good gems in here and the biggest thing that I took away from Patter's episode you'll hear it coming up is the fact that these little small changes that we make do actually make a huge difference and he'll go into a little bit about how his shop can demand suppliers to basically go plastic free because we're supporting his shop so it's a good episode I think well I'm kind of biased but anyway hope you guys will like it as well and yeah I won't keep you much longer here is Patter from Small Changes guys I'll catch you after Patter thank you so much for coming into town after work to uh, record a podcast with me thanks for the invite yeah I guess to get straight into it I'd love to know I'm sure some of the listeners would like to know what kind of background you had growing up I know from your website that you grew up in a Gaeltacht area in County Meath now obviously your small changes is based in Drumcondra so a lot like were you a sticks and stones playing in the dirt kind of kid or pretty much um, but most myself and my elder brothers and sisters we were born in Birmingham oh okay and for reasons we're not entirely sure um, (laughs) my parents when they decided we were going to move back to to Ireland uh, they picked me Uh, my dad is from County Down and my mum is from Birmingham so like we, we've no connection with Meath. Oh, wow. But we, we landed in Meath and there's a Gaeltacht called Rackcairn, which is about 50 minutes drive from, from Dublin. But uh, having been born in Birmingham, none of us had ever heard a word of Irish oh in our gosh, lives. Of course, yeah. So we landed, I, I, I'll never forget the first day of going into baby infants. Our teacher was Banny Uglosh. And of course, everybody was running around yapping Asquega and we were like, what? What is this? Like, what are they speaking? Like, what language is this? I copped on fairly quickly that people were going up to Bani Uglosh and they were sticking their hand in, in, the, in the air and they were saying a magic word and they, they were disappearing and they were being let out of the room. Ah. I didn't know where they were going, but sure. they were go- getting out for five, ten minutes and... Maybe after two weeks, I built up enough courage and I marched up and I stuck my, my hand in the air and I said, lettuce. <laughs> I, I couldn't understand why everyone was laughing and I yeah. couldn't understand why I wasn't being let out. And then obviously I worked it out that the word was letters, not yeah. lettuce. Um, so we grew up there, uh, going to school in Rock Cairn. Um, 
which was great because given that mum and dad, neither of them have Irish, we as kids had our own secret language. So, you know, we could have all these conversations and neither, neither of our parents knew uh, what was going on. I think maybe they might have had fears over the years that we were plotting a coup and, you know, to overthrow them and they couldn't work out what we were saying. That's brilliant. And you were so, you were only how old? So you are only four or five, I guess, when you moved over. Yeah, it was about three. Oh, okay. um, yeah, so it would have been four-ish yeah. Yeah, when I went into Turakaran. Did you always kind of, did you, what did you want to be when you were a child? Did you have any idea? I oh, didn't have a notion. No. God, I can remember sitting the leaving cert and all my friends knew exactly what they wanted to do, what points they needed for their courses. Yeah. You know, they were able to list six or seven options on the CAO form and I said what the hell am I going to do yeah. and by default I picked arts yeah as a most do, because yeah. I didn't know what to do I yeah. briefly flirted with the idea of teaching okay because my dad at one stage was a teacher but then that that idea didn't last very long yeah for a very long time I didn't know I I, I suppose it was really only into my late 20s my early 30s that I really began to have an idea of what I wanted to do yeah you know? as with most people these yeah. days really there's a lot of pressure on on teenagers well I could never yeah. you know I could never understand how at the age of 17 you you, you could be expected to know what you want to do for the, for the rest, rest of your, of your yeah, life like, absolutely you know? my outlook was that I wanted to try out as many different things experience as many different jobs careers and hope that at the end of it I'd come across something that I did want to make a career out of. Yeah. My background prior to small changes was in construction and there was a lot of things going on in the industry that really bothered me, really, you know, there was the environmental uh, waste, the environmental impact, the lack of ethics, um, the unscrupulousness of it all. I'll take it. Right, thank you. <laughs> And I had always been interested in environmental issues and within, I would have had various roles within construction, be it purchasing, site management, being involved in tendering uh, for various projects. And I had always tried to steer whatever company I worked with on a more environmental um, appropriate way of of conducting business but at the end of the day profitability and bottom line always dictated that the environmental issues were were always last and never quite implemented so that would have been from 2000 to 2009 I was involved in construction that can yeah, that can be like real disheartening when you're working in something that yeah, yeah that goes against. Well, it was it was time and time again. Um, you know, I would approach managers, uh, directors, and say, you know, these are my ideas. This is how I see you know the company or the business should uh, the direction it should take. And time and time again, it was oh yeah, that's great, Patter. You know, and but. I knew in yeah. my heart of hearts that a lot of the time it was just lip service, yeah. you know. Um, and then again, and again, uh, that I suppose the the thinking always was, yeah, it would be great to me to be more environmentally friendly, but it's going to cost us, so, much so we're not yeah. going to do it, yeah. you know. And then in two thousand and nine, um, 
the company that I had worked for went into liquidation. Uh, this was at a time when we were really seeing the recession take hold yeah. and construction with Ireland in, in all its forms just came to a shuddering standstill. Yeah. Um, and I had thought that the experience that I had built up within construction that I could move into another industry. Sure. But what I found out very quickly was that whilst I had the experience, I had no paper qualifications so my if I were to stay within construction, my only option was to emigrate, which I didn't want to do. Mm. Um, I didn't want to, you know, if my two children were very young at the time. So it became very clear that for me to stay in the country, I was going to have to create uh, my own my own employment, mm-hmm. my own my own business. And that's how small changes came about, I suppose, you know. Prior to actually having to do it, it had always been in my background and I had the romantic idea of, oh gosh, yeah, it'd be great, be your own boss, run your own business, that looks like fun. So I had to bite the bullet. The company that that we had all worked for, well, they claimed at the time that they couldn't afford redundancies and my savings pretty much ran out very quickly and I applied for back to enterprise allowance and the shop started in late early 2010. Okay and was that a long time like from idea to the door opening for the first customer? Well it would have been an awful lot longer had I not met my wife. Um, Neve. when I met her I had the idea, yeah, but it was very vague. Okay, and thankfully, Neve, um, her organisation skills are fantastic. Sure. So she really pushed me. You know, I kept waiting for the perfect moment, and her attitude pretty much was, "Do it, do it now," because if now, you're waiting, yeah. you know, for everything to be right, it'll never happen. Yeah. So she actually, at that, Jesus, when I think back, I cringe. Um, my office was in the kitchen and um, uh, she sorted all that out and one of the bedrooms became a dedicated office and yeah so meeting Eve really pushed it pushed it forward yeah yeah and it opened in Gorey originally it wasn't in yeah in Gorey in Wexford with four shelves no way really uh, that was the the entire shop at the beginning uh, no four four shelves and a window display <laughs> And I remember when it opened, it seemed like no one was ever going to come in. Oh, no. Were you on the main street in Gorey? Just off 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 the the main street. street. But after four days, somebody walked into the shop and I went, yes, cracked it. Oh, wow. But actually, they came in looking for change for the parking (laughs) machine. (laughs) But thankfully, it began to, to, to pick up. Yeah. Uh, from that and what did you what were those four shelves what did they begin with uh, so it began I began with uh, household household products right. uh, environmentally friendly um, cleaners and shampoos and, and soaps and then gradually the shop began to expand and into more products the product range increased more shelves went up uh, went moved into food and opened up extended the shop and added a coffee shop to it as well so the gory shop was open for um almost five years and at that stage it had become a really really solid uh community a community hub uh, as well as as well as a shop 
and unfortunately what happened there was the my landlord and I when I approached him first with the idea he was very enthusiastic he understood what I wanted to do and he was very supportive and we never got around to a lease it was always ah yes we'll meet and we'll, yeah. we'll sign a lease and we never did and then you know he was forced he had to sell his property and the buyer came in and they were looking for an unsustainable um unrealistic increase in rent so i couldn't continue in, in gory which led to Drumcondra. okay so one door closed another one opened absolutely yeah and was that did how did the space where you have now in Conjure come about? Um, I met the landlord. It had been my intention at the time as well to see if I could open a shop in Dublin. Yeah. So he had come down and he had seen what was happening in Gorey. Oh, very good. And he really, really liked it. So he showed me the, the, the space in Drumcondra. So Drumcondra, the building that we're in, it's the arts and, and business campus. And originally, um, it's so it's a it's a big red brick three story building. Started off life as an orphanage, and then it was run as a as a school for deaf children. I can't remember what religious order ran it, but the state bought it because originally the Lewis the plan was to run the Lewis out to the airport via Drumcondra. Sure. So they bought the site with the intention of levelling it. Uh, so our, our landlord rents directly from um, the Department the of Transport okay. and then would sublet it down yeah. to us. And over the years, thanks in, in, in a huge part to our landlord, who as he would have a very different outlook on property development within the building it's become a, a fantastic social hub for not only for Drumcondra but basically the north inner city. Yeah, there's loads of stuff um, that goes on. There's so yeah. many things. There's there's so many different organisations. There's a Montessori school. There's theatre. There's dance. There's music. There's uh, the shop. There's uh, two cafes. There's everything. Anything that you would want in your local area yeah. going on there like which is so important because so many towns so many villages so many suburbs over the years uh they've lost you know the the, the, the community feel yeah. uh whereas in the arts and business it's just it's it's great facility oh, great great yeah. amenity you know to have yeah I've been and, there. and it's wonderful to be to be part of it you know absolutely i can imagine yeah it's a re- it's a lovely you can feel the sense of community when you go there i had my dog with me in dublin for a couple of weeks she was real sick and my mom was away so i had her i had to sneak her into my apartment block and I remember bringing her up, I brought her into small changes, get some shopping, brought her back out and sat at the cafe outside mm. and like everyone's coming over and talking to you, you know, and obviously having a dog, that helps, you know, yeah. people like break the ice or whatever, but you do feel like, yeah, you know, it's a beautiful, lovely little place. So, and there's a little craft shop as well. And, That's like, right, loads, next to yeah. us. And there's, I think they do yoga and kickboxing upstairs as well, or karate that's, and everything. That's right, yeah. yeah, and there's a gym up there as well. Yeah, there's loads of stuff. Yeah. All in, I didn't know it used to be an orphanage. Yeah. I knew, I remember reading it used to be a school for the deaf. So, so the space that we're in, that the shop is in, that would have been the, the chapel that was attached to, to the building. So when we came up, when I came up in 2015, it was an empty shell. 
so we built all the the units and the the mezzanine over the shop which is uh workspace now so your construction came back to yeah, life very good it did, it yeah did. and in keeping with the environmental aspect a lot of the timber that we used was salvaged from the old the old space oh brilliant yeah. and then in regards to the actual shop itself so you sell obviously the, um you sell more than cleaning products um you've got food but you've got such a wide array of food and you sell loads of irish products as well locally mm. sourced which is brilliant what kind of like research do you do into like getting products into your shop or what's the kind of criteria they need to kind of fill well a uh, everything that is on the, uh, on our shelves we we research it so we research the the producer where it's made the ingredients that are used any claims that are made about the product you know um we have to be satisfied that they are in fact true mm. also we would work very closely or we would look out for producers who would be very close to our beliefs and the beliefs that the, the, the business is, yeah, is founded on. Yeah, but it's not like on. a big multi-million with the side that little yeah. owners or eco-friendly yeah. thing. Yeah. Well, you see, that, that, that has happened. Um, there are there have been a number of, of businesses, uh, companies that we stopped dealing with because uh, back in their day, they were standalone independents and they were trailblazers, a company based on... Uh, based in on the European mainland who from the late 70s were trailblazers yeah. in uh, ecological products but they've now been just over two years ago they were bought out by a huge multinational company okay. who are basically using that particular company to say hey we can't be that bad we've got these guys in our portfolio yeah. so when that happened we, we we took them off our shelves and they would have formed you know a big chunk of of of, of our, our product range yeah. and you know we're, we're hugely popular uh products but they it didn't fit with with our beliefs yeah. so and in that case it's not just a case of okay we're getting rid of x brand and we're going to here's another brand like there's a huge amount of research like mm. you know why would we get rid of one brand and then just replace it with something as equally unethical yeah so uh, everything is researched uh, there's a lot of boxes that that have to be ticked we're not just going through a product catalog and go oh yeah that's trendy or oh that looks good we, yeah. you know th th there's a reason why why it's there in the first place like you know yeah absolutely um and your the fruit and veg and everything that you sell where does that come from i know obviously there's something that can't mm. grow here so how do you find like um say your oranges or like how do you find your international kind of suppliers um well we would work with suppliers who would be importing predominantly from spain okay. um and they would work with uh community co-ops uh so it wouldn't be the case that we would be sourcing from plantations that are staffed by migrant workers or yeah. illegal workers who are who are uh forced to work under horrendous conditions you know for pittance of a pay mm. at this time of the year there will be fruits and vegetables that, that we do have to import but we would work very closely with obviously we're never going to have irish oranges or irish yeah. avocados <laughs> 
Um, but we work very closely with, we would have uh, Beachlawn Organic Farm, Green Earth Organics, who yeah. are both based in Galway. Actually, Beachlawn were in this morning at half six with delivering fresh kale, um, beetroot, carrots, um, potatoes. And then as, as the season progresses, you know, there'll be more and more. Uh, coming from the farms uh, there we also work with uh, growers in Dublin uh, in Meath in Wicklow we have a community exchange where people are growing at home in their back gardens inevitably you're always going to have a surplus and mm. there's only so many times you can knock on your neighbour and say hey look I've got more courgettes yeah or more rhubarb so the way that works is people with the surplus they bring it into the shop we have a little barter and in return they get credit in store yeah and it's a great way of encouraging uh, children as well to get involved because like for example they can bring in courgettes or rhubarb or whatever they have at home and you know they can get free juices or free smoothies so like it kind of goes oh well let's grow more we put a huge emphasis on raising awareness of what can be grown and what is grown in ireland and what can be grown in the city Mm. like this here in dublin there's community gardens all over the place you know the variety and the crops that are grown there it's 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 great and it's great to have that access you know to have that source to have that supply you know right on our doorstep yeah absolutely yeah people myself included you can think sometimes oh sure here there's only strawberries that grow next food and there's potatoes that can grow anywhere like you you have like a misconception that stems from somewhere and then in the city there are definitely people myself having been one of them in the past that thinks well sure nothing in dublin that grows here like you know mm. not unless you're in the outskirts so yeah. uh yeah it's it's great to know that there are loads of small little community gardens and even big ones like do you know how people can get involved with those well the the easiest way would be to contact the city council and ask for a list of community gardens and then you know you the the, the, the contact details there's also there's a facebook page Dublin Grower or Dublin Community Garden, which uh, would be a good way to contact. There's a fantastic um, resource in St. Anne's Park, which is uh, the Dublin City Farm, which I recommend everybody to go out and and take a look, spend some time there, go to the Botanical Gardens, Mm -hmm. see what they're growing there, see what they're growing outdoors in the Vegetable Garden and you know, maybe get some inspiration there. You can always come out to us, happily take you into the garden, show you what we're growing, let you get your hands dirty, you know. That's brilliant. You guys have a garden at your shop yeah, out the back, yeah, is it? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so this year we're focusing on potatoes. What we would have done in the past is we would have, I suppose, grown a bit of everything. But this year we're going to just concentrate on potatoes. But we use that, again, to show children where food comes from yeah. and that carrots don't grow in plastic bags you know mm-hmm. that they actually grow in 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 the ground and that you know you can have so much fun getting dirty and finding worms and yeah you know throwing slugs at your sister or brother <laughs> you know it's all part of childhood yeah. it's all part of learning yeah that's brilliant it's the best way to learn really um for your 
just thinking like for because a lot of the when you walk into your shop the food that you sell uh, the fresh fruit and veg it's you it's in season were you ever tempted when food goes out of season to import it from somewhere else for demand sake or anything well no <laughs> <laughs> like there are times when you know customers um, might come in uh, in the depths of winter and ask why we don't have strawberries yeah. and like there are certain things that we will never import strawberries being one of them yeah. uh, and when we are asked in the depths of winter why we don't have strawberries we just say well they're not in season yeah berries and soft fruits that that grow well in ireland we don't import when, when, when it's out of season when it's yeah. out of season it's out of season mm. It's like our honey. Uh, we work with with local beekeepers. Uh, we we never import uh, honey, and when when our beekeepers that we work with, when their supply runs out, that's it. Yeah. You know, until the the bees get active again. Like we have, uh, a be- there's a beekeeper called Seamus whose hives are about three hundred yard, three hundred meters from the shop. So when we say local honey. We it mean literally local means home. down the road. Yeah. 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 Uh, very good. That, that was something I was wondering myself. Would they ever be tempted to import? So it's good to know that you stick by your guns, which I think is really important, especially because berries are so hard to find without plastic as well. Like they're always imported in plastic trays and mm. and plastic season. That's one thing. Yeah, I've yet to mention your shop does not any plastic bags. There, you only use the compostable ones. That's right. Which is brilliant. That's right. Um, huge problem you have today obviously did you is, is that hard was it hard to kind of avoid plat- I know it's not completely plastic free you've got like certain yeah like, well, like, things but that's refillable and stuff yeah um, well no well at the beginning yes it's all about convincing suppliers the, the business is on such a footing now that I can go to a supplier and say you know we can pretty much guarantee this amount of business every year if you're happy to deal with us so we can turn to, we can approach um, fresh uh, produce suppliers and say, this is our spend from last year. If you're happy to deal with us, you know, this we can guarantee you a slice of this. But in order for you to work with us, we don't want any packaging. Brilliant. You know. So that, um, that literally shows how people make choices with where their money goes, like by spending money exactly. in your shop. Yeah. You guys then can get the power to absolutely to bring that to companies yeah. which is brilliant yeah a lot of people get disheartened going oh but it's only like one little thing but i guess that is exactly the ethos of small changes well that's yeah. it like the idea is that you know it's not sustainable or it's not practical to expect everybody you know to radically overhaul their life overnight now of course the urgency is getting greater and greater and the importance of change is getting greater and greater but the idea is that I will make one small change and I will see the effect of that, which will hopefully encourage me to make another change, which will lead on to another change. And at the same time, you might see what I've done and hopefully inspire you to make a change and then that chain would follow. Mm. And then your friends, family, yeah. work colleagues... It all spreads out and then it's the accumulation of all those small changes taken together whilst on their own they're meaningless but together as a community as a society those small changes can have huge and lasting impact 
because if we wait for the changes to happen at a political level, it'll never happen. Mm -hmm. And the changes that will be implemented or the legislation that will be implemented due to the the force of uh, lobbying organizations it'll always be diluted it'll be meaningless so what what has to happen is that and it's not just for environmental issues but it's for societal issues as well that the changes that we want to see we have to start at a grassroots level in our communities where we live where we work and move it up the chain so the momentum is there that it can't be ignored at a political level because at the end of the day, TDs are in it to be re-elected. Mm-hmm. And if you can say to your local TD, we've got hundreds, we've got thousands you know, involved in this issue, wouldn't it be good for you if you were to support us? Obviously, we'd love it if you were supporting us because you really believed in it. But it's up to us to create the groundswell that, that, you know, that can't be ignored. Yeah, yeah, it has to usually always change grassroots campaigns and like the people coming together like that mm. they make the, like the biggest impacts on society as we've seen yeah. in recent years is there something that you've wanted to sell in your shop or any kind of particular pet peeve you personally have on on like a popular item that's just really hard to get waste free that people are loving plastic bottles now we don't other than the, the, the cleaning products, we, we, we don't stock anything in a plastic bottle. But there's... Crow Park is just down the road from us. Mm-hmm. Every match day or any time there's a concert or, or whatever on in, in Crow Park, the amount of water bottles that are just littered, thrown yeah. along the side of the streets, like the bins are overflowing, that bugs the bejesus out of me i've contacted we've contacted repack to see if we can have a you know if there's a collaboration that can work between us and repack we're looking at trying to bring in reverse vending machines but the cost for us on our own it's it's too prohibitive yeah so the idea is that we would get repack the organization that is meant to be promoting sustainability and recycling in this country on Mm. board at the moment they haven't bitten or you know our ideas on file and is that those vending machines you're talking about like the ones they have in germany i think are the only country where there's a there's like a tax that fan that is in germany there's no one does in english like 25 cent for the bottle you scan it you put it in you get your 25 cent back yeah yeah um yeah that's could be a really good initiative. Yeah, like well, like we've already shown, um, for example, there's a, a drinks, a water kefir drink that we stock. It's King of Kefir, which is hugely popular. And um, Jerry, who makes the drinks, he, he it's bottled in, in glass bottles. Now we're in the very fortunate position in that I'm very good friends with Jerry and he his bottling plant is just down the road from us. Okay. So... He, more often than not, he will drop in the orders to us. So what we've done is we give our customers 20 cents every time they bring a bottle back. And when Jerry drops off the order, he collects the bottles, Mm. brings them back, washes them, sterilizes, relabels and and reuses them again. So it's ideas like that that we're trying to... Incorporate into the bigger... Exactly, exactly, yeah. 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 We do need people to kind of realize the gravity of the situation and then we had the climate strike for schools yeah to the, which re- instilled a lot of so much hope especially obviously from the younger 
generation. So yeah, well, I, I think the the what has happened is particularly amongst younger people, the the realization is that the shit has hit the fan yeah. and they're gonna face the consequences yeah. and my generation is the last generation where we can have any sort of meaningful impact through through our actions the generations behind us uh, i'm afraid are just going to be picking up the pieces picking up the pieces yeah. and, and we've reached a point where the information is so readily available you know it can't be denied anymore when i started the business almost 10 years ago there was still an awful lot of denial going on and there was still a lot of, ah, sure, look, it, you know, mm-hmm. it won't happen or, uh, you know, the summers will be a bit bit warmer or something, won't that be grand? And I think what has happened particularly in this country and it has been great to see younger people, they've been involved in two very successful political campaigns and they have seen the impact that they that they can have uh, and they can see that their voices will be listened to if yeah. they come together. Like yeah. You know? Before I move on, in regards to what you sell, like there's literally kind of a, a zero waste version of everything that we kind of use disposably. Like mm. you have you you guys sell like bamboo toothbrushes. You've got moon cups and reusable sanitary towels. You've got um the the tea you sell has um compostable. If they're in the bags, they're compostable. Yeah. You know, like the, yeah. like there's literally almost a zero waste alternative yeah. for everything in your shop that people can get. Yeah, well, you know, this comes down to the fact that we've been going for so long and we've built up a very extensive network of suppliers and producers and then all the research that, that goes into it. You know, the thinking is, I've always wanted to create the type of shop that I as a customer wanted to to see. You know, it's led to a lot of innovation, a lot of change. I get bored very easily. So, you know, we would try out different projects and then when they work, we move on to to something, something else. And I'm so fortunate in that the team that works it's not just me and it's not just me sitting up in the office and coming up with a bright idea. <laughs> Everybody is so involved. The, you know, the imagination, the, the innovation, the, the inspiration that everybody brings to the business it's mm. it's phenomenal and the success it's 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 down to to, to each and every one yeah, of us who, who work there yeah brilliant what kind of advice if someone was to approach you and ask you that they're interested in moving towards zero waste or more sustainable in any kind of shape or form like mm. what advice because it can be so overwhelming because when you start looking at the waste you create or where how far your products are traveling to get to your your plate you can you can think oh this is completely impossible yeah. and you can, you can feel really overwhelmed like my i live in an apartment i've no control over the bins unfortunately so we can't compost yeah. we have to take it elsewhere and you go down to put my recycling in and there's just like bags in the wrong boxes mm. it's just you know it can be real disheartening so what kind of like, what would you say, I don't know, core tips or any advice you would give to someone trying to take a more sustainable step? Come in and have a chat. You know, we're very approachable. What? I like to think we are. Yeah, you are, yes, yeah. yeah. Um, 
you know, as you say, it can be very daunting um, if you're moving away from, you know, practices that you've always had, you've been brought up and suddenly you you want to change your, your lifestyle. You know, come 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 into the shop, chat to us, email us. We're, we're not experts, um, but, you know, we have built up a good bit of knowledge. So, you know, come in, have a chat, email us. Don't be overwhelmed. Some things will work for you, which won't work for someone else. You know, everybody's situation is different. The important thing is to is to try, you know, and fail and then try something else, you know. Yeah, don't throw it all out the window if you buy a plastic toothbrush haven't completely forgotten because that's what you've done for years, yeah. Yeah. And do you have a kind of vision of small changes? Do you see where you're going to be in about five years' time? Yeah, um, well, we're going through the planning stage now of opening up a second shop. Oh, brilliant. And then hopefully more would lead would lead after that hopefully yeah it would be fantastic to 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 see small changes in every town but that's that's not possible but what i would say is we're very open to collaboration you know um so if anybody is interested in 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 this sort of retail get in touch with us you know absolutely Um, we're very keen to share advice and tips and you know work with like-minded people that's very good. Can I, are you able to give a hint as to where the second shop will hopefully be? Will it be in Dublin? Or it will be, it in, will Dublin. be in Dublin. Yeah. Okay, yeah. so fingers crossed that all works out. We've covered a wide range there. Patter, thank you so much for coming in. It's been a pleasure to talk and learn about where small changes kind of came from. And it's good to hear a business with an ethos that I think most people have, but they just get used to kind of going into the bigger places and getting what's kind of a bit more convenient and Mm. quicker and maybe cheaper as opposed to going to what their heart really wants and really needs. But it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for coming in. And I might take you up on your offer and go out to your garden outside the back of the shop, learn a bit about the potatoes. Well, the weather is changing, so we're going to be planting soon. So get your boots on. Very good. Thank you so much, Patter. I'm sure, and you never know, I might talk to you again when your franchise opens. Very good. Thanks, Cara. There you go, guys. That was Patter from Small Changes. Hopefully you enjoyed that. If you are interested in collaborating, like Patter said, you can send him an email, patter at smallchanges.ie. It's in the show notes below. And yeah, that'd be amazing if anyone wants to like set up a a zero waste ethics shop in a little town and you don't really know how to start, they're willing to collaborate with that. So that's really exciting, as is a new small changes shop somewhere else in Dublin. So I can't wait. There's, There's so much going on on his side of things and he's doing such great work. It's really inspiring and Hopefully, if any of you are in Dublin, you can pop along and give them a visit. And you can check out their website as well. Everything is linked in the show notes, including a couple of businesses that he mentioned as well. So I've linked all of those. The only thing left to do is if you guys could please, if you enjoyed this episode, please recommend it to a friend or share it on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, or by word of mouth, which is always the best way. I would love, love, love more people to kind of hear this inspiring message and know that the small changes that they make can lead to a company like Small Changes 
getting power and with that power they can then ask for big corporations to go plastic free or their suppliers to go plastic free and that's where the change is happening. It's really inspiring. So let me know what you think of this episode. I'm on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Book of Leaves podcast or Book of Leaves pod. You'll find me there and until the next two weeks guys, take care, look after yourselves. Don't forget to vote on Friday, May 24th and I'll see you at the the protest. All right guys, take care. Bye-bye.